Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number seven. Anyone out there have trouble remaining calm when dealing with your teenager? I do, and I did, still do a lot of the time, and that's what this podcast is about. I truly believe that if you can remain calm with your teenager, you can pretty much remain calm in any situation. So listen in for my tips and really practical advice for how to do this in your own life. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm so happy you are joining me today for this episode. And we are going to talk today about uh, performing some CPR on your parenting. I am a CPR instructor, so this thought just came to me about how I've used kind of emergency scene management or CPR instructions to kind of help guide my way of dealing with things, and especially with my teenagers, that it helps me to decipher what is actually an emergency situation And what is an emergency in my brain? And the first thing I want to focus on before we start into the example that I'm going to give is just to help you understand that actually these things that our brains tell us, they're they're natural and they're normal and they're designed to help us. So if you can view this, um, the way your brains react and respond as natural and normal and making sense and us just trying to gain an understanding of it from a kind and compassionate viewpoint instead of berating ourselves for how we've reacted and yelled in the past, then it will serve you much uh, better to do the work on yourself. If you start from a standpoint of, yes, it makes sense that I'm reacting and responding this way based on what my brain is telling me. So when we encounter any stressful situation, so something that in our mind, mind's eye, or if we're actually viewing an emergency situation, what usually happens in our body is we get a shot of a, adrenaline, really, or like stress spurs us into action. And we want that to happen. So we don't want this response not to be there. And so that's important to know because in an actual emergency, you are wanting to have something shoot into your system to allow you to, it's, it's called the fight, flight, freeze response. And that's how many different people react, like different people react in different ways to emergency situations, but it shoots some of this chemical into your body so that you're able to um, react and respond and run or take action. So that's what it feels like you need to do. You need to take action. And like I said, this is good in an emergency situation, but the same exact thing can happen in situations that our brains perceive as an emergency, but that are not an actual emergency because our outside bodies, like when we're telling our brain something, it can actually decipher what's an actual emergency and what our brain is just saying is an emergency. So then you could have the same exact response as you would for a real emergency that requires action as you could have for something like a stressful thought. Like my, you know, my 
teenagers doing this, they they broke a rule and they're going to end up um, in the, they're, they're not ever going to be successful. They're going to be unhappy. All of this is just going to go, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And so we tell ourselves those thoughts and our body can react and respond in exactly the same way. So understanding that can kind of settle your system down a bit and say, okay, this makes sense. I just need to decipher what's a real emergency and what's an actual emergency. So what I want to offer here is the very first part of CPR um, is assessing the scene. And assessing the scene is actually having a look around and making sure that the scene is safe before you enter because you can't help somebody else if you're going to get hurt too. So in terms of a real CPR emergency situation, we're looking at things like fire, um, live wires, noxious gas fumes, broken glass, anything that can actually harm you and you have to account for those. But also you're looking around to see what's actually happened here. Can you figure out what's going on? And this person you're seeing in front of you may be unconscious. So you would go up to them. Um, after you determine that the scene is safe and then you can try to wake them up. So I'm talking real CPR here. So or the real scene safety assessment of somebody who you find who's not moving and then you ask them, are you okay? Are you okay? You kind of shake them a little bit to see if they can wake up as long as they don't have any signs of a spinal cord injury. But see, you're getting an actual half of a CPR class right here in this podcast. Anyways, um, but you check to see if they're okay. And then after that, you're going to be checking if they're breathing. And um, actually, I missed a step. If they don't respond, you're going to send somebody to call for help, or you're going to go call 911 yourself, and then you're going to check to see if they're breathing. Okay? If they're not breathing, uh, or if you're doing, you check for a pulse, if that's the scenario you're going through, then you would start CPR. But if they are okay in this moment, and they're breathing, we don't need to perform CPR. So we don't want to skip the step of assessing to see if somebody's okay before we start CPR. So that's kind of my point about this. If you apply it to an actual parenting scenario, we want to bring ourselves back to finding out all the facts of what went on. And often we don't do that. So this is a very important part. And this is something that a uh, a coach can help you with to look at different situations and look at them in terms of what are the actual facts of what's happening here and what are the thoughts and the story that we're making up around it. So um, an example of this could be as far as comparing facts to a story is that one fact concerning a teenager that we probably have dealt with is maybe your teenager went out and got drunk. They drank too much. And you can break it down into just the facts that your teenager went out and had, you know, 10 beer beers. And the story that you're making up around it is going to be something to the effect if you believe that this is a problem, because some people would think, okay, this is a normal part of being a teenager, but other parents might think this is this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe they did this. They're they're horrible. They're not they're never gonna end up with a job. They're be going to become an alcoholic, all of these things. Now, 
I'm not going to try to argue with you that there is the potential for any of these things to happen always, right? Whether you know they came home drunk or not. So I'm not going to argue with you on that. What I want to invite you to do is to come back to the present moment with your teenager and say, this is the fact in front of me. I don't know these actual things could happen in the future. I don't, I, you, you can't deal with that. You can't argue with yourself on things in the future that you have no idea what's going to happen. So you come back to where you are in the present moment, and these are the facts that you're dealing with. And is this an emergency? Are they okay right now? Are they safe right now? Are you safe right now in order to deal with the situation? So they may not need CPR. This might not be the time that you need to go into all of the reasons why the thing that they did was the worst thing they've ever done in their life. And I am going to fully disclose that like when my kids do this kind of stuff, I go here so often, but I also actually kind of have to step back a little bit. I can go there in my brain, but then I can say, okay, what's actually happening here? Are they okay right now? Are they safe right now? What do I need to do right now? And these are the facts and then there's what I'm making it mean and the story that I'm telling myself about something that potentially could happen down the road. That's usually for me, it's like the worst case scenario. So don't skip the step of getting the facts, dealing with them. And then this can also help bring you back to some semblance of calm. And what I want to offer here is being calm in situations, even though it takes work to, it could potentially take work to get to that point or just to bring yourself back to that point. And the quickest way I will tell you is to stop and take some deep breaths or just breathe or remember that you're breathing. And that can bring you back very quickly and practically to your body and say, okay, I just need to take a breath here. I need to take a few seconds. My brain is going off thinking that the worst is going to happen. And when you can sort of allow yourself to acknowledge that your brain has gone off before and not make it mean that you're a terrible person or anything's wrong with you, just make it mean, of course, my body's responding in this way because I've given it a super stressful thing to think about and deal with. So you allow that to be, and then you come back to um, finding some semblance of, of calm or just breathing or just standing still, or doing nothing, if the situation requires you to do nothing, which a lot of times you don't have to do something right away. Like I said, they are okay, they're breathing, things are okay, you don't have to perform CPR. You can stop, you have some time to think about it. Although your brain will likely tell you, you need to take action right now, or else you are not going to be able to prevent this um, emergency or this thing from getting worse. But what I will say is that when, if you think about an emergency scene, an actual emergency scene, you're probably going to be looking towards the people who are the calmest. You remember those scenes in movies where somebody is just absolutely freaking out and 
yelling and what do we do? What do we do? And, and they're all over the place and there's no sense of calm. And you're not going to be following or listening to that person. You're going to probably escalate the situation and you're not going to be able to be your, your brain essentially goes offline and you don't have the capacity to think about creative solutions or think about what you need to do next. So this is another reason why it is important to remind yourself of this. And what I will leave you with is that, like I said at the beginning, and I think I've said in a previous podcast, is if you still are having these super big reactions to these situations, do not beat yourself up for it. Do not think anything's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a natural and normal response to something you've offered your brain and you can work with that. And it is a skill. Becoming calm is a skill. It's not something that you're, it may be something that you're naturally born with, but, and also it's something that you can learn as well and you can practice and we have to consciously practice it because our minds also have what's called a negativity bias. So it will go to the worst case scenario because it is trying to protect you. Your brain is doing its job, but we have to do a little management in order to tweak it and bring it back online to remind ourselves over and over again that we are, uh, we are safe right now. We can deal with what's happening in this moment right now. We cannot deal with things that are happening and unknowns that are happening in the future. Okay, so that's a quick way to think about performing CPR on your parenting or performing CPR on your responses to how your teenagers are showing up with you. And if you have teenagers, you will get a lot of practice in this. So you can think of it that way when situations like this come up, you can think of, oh, this is, this is great. I can, this is my opportunity to practice being calm. (laughs) And, um, that may sound not great to you at this moment. If, if you're having these reactions all the time and they don't feel very good And this, this work does not feel good all the time. And you will find yourself not being able to remain calm at all times. Again, this is not a problem. This is called being a human, a normal human, and we can try again and do things differently the next time and see how that works out in our interactions with our teenagers. So I I hope this is helpful for you. I'm going to leave you with that. And I will try to link my little Instagram post, although this was kind of an expanded version of that in the show notes. And if you found this helpful, it would be great if you could uh, rate or review this podcast. And also if you could share the podcast episode with somebody who you think might find it helpful. Although if you think that a parent is like freaking out on their teenager too much, they might not take too kindly to you sharing an episode like this with them. But if it's something that you're looking at together, um, that would be that would be okay. I always caution people against like giving away self-help books and saying, you need to improve in this area. You need to improve in this area. That's not usually well received. So anyways, maybe just rate or review it. And I thank you so much. And 
I hope that you'll join me again next week for another episode. Bye.